Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Brian, and today is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023, and this is episode 568 of the Lots Project Podcast, where we're defining norms and designing freedom. Today, I have the episode title today is My Experience with Microgreens, and I will be talking about exactly that, our experience um, a couple times a couple different times growing microgreens, selling them, and what ultimately had us shut them down before we left on the road. But first, let's grab a cup of coffee, see what happened in my day yesterday, check in with the live chat, and uh, get the show rolling. So, good morning, good morning. How is everyone today? Oh, it is a tired day today. Corey and I both, um, both feeling tired, both feeling tired. Uh, coffee is, uh, coffee is definitely welcome this morning, drinking some, uh, FTO blonde espresso. Um, morning, Hunter. <laughs> Your volume was way down. Couldn't hear me. We were about to get me to reboot everything this morning, weren't you? And, uh, your volume was down. Is my volume down? Because I actually, um, I actually messed around with my mic yesterday or the day before and uh i don't have any way to check the volume on the way out or on the what comes out on your end so i don't know i don't know if it's ever if it's ever screwy uh too loud too soft let me know and i will try to adjust it but uh yeah good morning cormac how we doing cormac uh digger and then hunter saying the sound is good so that's good um Drinking FTO Blonde Espresso this morning and got a message in the Telegram group yesterday that Brian at Food Forest Farms has created a new half-calf blend, um, and it uh, has to do with the FTO Blonde. So he has uh, introduced the Cooney Cooney half-calf blend, and that's not Cooney Cooney like the pig, that's Cooney Cooney like his customer, Cooney and uh who ordered a big batch and was partial inspiration for the blend he named it after him and uh, it's available now you can get it at the food forest farms website and don't forget lots five for five percent off all the time at food forest farms and uh yeah throw out there one more time um throw out one more time that um Lots 10 for people that are listening to the audio podcast can get a one-time 10% to try out that Food Forest Farms. Hunter said resumption is bouncy, but I think that's me. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't guarantee that is you, man. Uh, Starlink is always an option for bouncy or uh, intermittent internet. So there is that. I have a... I have a um, video on my to-do video list of a year review of Starlink. And man, as much as it has saved us, probably a lot of anxiety, it, it's caused its fair share of uh, of anxiety when this is kind of bouncing all around and there's important things to do. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so yeah, FTO Blonde Espresso in the cup this morning. That bag is, uh, bag is going quickly. 
I'm guessing it'll be a double a double French press day today. It's going to be laundry day and grocery day and running around for sure all day. And um, it's kind of cool and cool and never warmed up yesterday. And it's supposed to be cooler today than yesterday. So definitely going to want another warm up after the dog walks this morning after the show. So we will uh, we will definitely be going through a bag of a blonde espresso very fast. Um, what else on the list here? I have a couple of show announcements tomorrow. I'll be doing life hacks. If you guys got any super life hacks that you use that, uh, you want to tell the world, or at least my, uh, my audience, my reach, definitely reach out, throw them in the telegram group, email them to me at info at the lots or hit me in the comments of any uh, social media. I should be posting a couple times today about, uh, about life hacks, see if we can get a few more on the list from listeners. Uh, Corey has put her input in. I got a bunch on a list, and uh, I would love to include all of yours. They would go on the top of the list, and then I will fill out the bottom with my stuff. So, good morning, good morning, Rachel Brown. Hopefully, everything is going well, and uh, and thanks for joining. Um, and then the other show announcement is. Satoshi giveaway Friday um, used to be 5k Friday, 10k Friday. Uh, this Friday's 225k Friday with that little dip, dip Bitcoin price dip. Uh, yesterday, it uh, isn't quite the $83 that I uh, that it was when uh, when it went up to 225. But man, it's still it's still decent. It's still a decent giveaway for a Friday morning. I, I want to uh, thank all the participants for all the donations to that. And uh, we are still, uh, we're still accepting uh, the pile on, on the pot for uh, Friday. If you want to, uh, if you want to throw in, I have no problem. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but 225 K as it stands right now, we'll be giving that away on Friday. If we can get 25 25 entrants um, live concurrent. I guess it doesn't have to be concurrent viewers. They can come and go. Uh, but 25 live entries is, uh, man, I don't think that's that bad for a 6 a.m. Central show uh, on YouTube, especially uh, especially in this space. So I appreciate all you guys. I appreciate everybody that shows up and enters those. And uh, definitely you guys here every day are uh, are so solid. And I appreciate it more than you ever know. Uh, good morning, Pip. How are you doing? And Hunter says his only life hack is getting a good spouse. I guess that's the only life hack that needs to be on the list, right, Corey? <laughs> so that's uh, Friday morning. Uh, spread the word. Spread the word. If you want a chance for it to go out, we have to have 25 entries. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like you can play the long game. You can hope that we don't get to 25 and it rolls over or uh, or you can help spread the word. We get to 25, we give it away, and then we start over again and build that thing back up. So, yeah, it is it is what it is. It is what it is. I can't win. I was um, I was hoping Corey was uh, going to sign on and log in. And I was like, I don't think that's that's really appropriate since uh, every single contest you ever enter, like it says no friends or family or no family or former employees or anything like that. And I'm like. It'd be kind of it'd be kind of suspect if uh, if Corey won the won the drawing, even though it is totally random and I have no way of um, no way of rigging it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
couple things on the list today from yesterday. Corey, Corey and I have been watching this. Um, I've seen it around here, and I think I might have mentioned it on the show. But there's this uh, there's this machinery they're using to clear the power lines, like clear up the 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 trees along the power lines. And it is absolutely terrifying. The thing is absolutely um, something that you would see in a horror movie. It's something that you would see in your nightmares. It is something that you would see in an OSHA video for sure. I have a video of it and I'll probably make a short out of it today, a TikTok and a YouTube short. But this thing is like a, um, if you took a, let's say, if you took a bucket lift, like a basket, uh, a JLG articulating lift, you know, the one with the basket way out on the extending arm that kind of goes everywhere, called different things in different places. So I don't know what they're called where you are. But if you took that, but you had a driver down at the bottom instead of in the basket. There's like a little cab there. And then um, <laughs> MSU Rifle knows exactly what I'm talking about. And if you took the basket off and put an enormous saw blade on the end, and not like a chainsaw blade, like a circular saw blade or a skill saw blade, the round blade. And this thing, what do you figure it is? Like two feet diameter? It's got to be, it's got to be all of two feet in diameter. And this thing has no guard on it, no nothing, no anything. And I've driven by it a couple times and I'm like, what the hell is that thing? And who gets to drive it? And I'm thinking it was just like, um, just some, you know, random, um, random company. The guy like rigged it up. No, they have multiples of these things. They're all over the area right now, clearing the power lines. And they are the most absolute insane thing to watch work. Corey was watching them. And, you know, I've driven enough. Uh, I've, I've operated enough um, basket lifts, JLGs, that they bounce like crazy. You got to understand, like, when you get out, you know, a certain distance from the cab and you extend that pole out it's going to bounce there's going to be a lot of play there well this thing is just as bad and the dude is whipping around on it and the blades bouncing all over the place it's flying all over the place there's people like under it working and it's coming down towards them Corey's like they none of them had helmets on <laughs> i was like hard hats <laughs> i hope they don't have helmets on <laughs> but anyway um it's uh yeah, it, it just is insane that they use this thing. MSU Rifle says that thing is badass. Yeah, I would have to say uh, a, a mixture of badass and scary as shit because I was like, holy crap. I saw the damage that it did to these trees. Uh, the the just reckless. They, they just lop them off. And there's no, there is no care whatsoever in what they're doing. And uh, basically... One of the trees is just like half of it's gone vertically. They just went right up the side. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are you doing to that tree? Um, but the second thought in my head was, I want to drive that thing. I want to run it. Corey was um, was counting her blessings that we had a generator when they were running it in front of the camper a couple days ago. She's like, I was sure he was going to cut that power line the way he was going at it with that thing. And man, 
just by the looks of it, I I wouldn't be surprised if the thing causes mass casualties at uh, at any moment. It's uh, it's 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 insane. It's insane. If you've never seen one, yeah, you got to check it out. Rewilder life, how we doing? I will. Uh, oh yeah, I will. Uh, I will put that short up today. I got a video just walking past it, walking the dogs yesterday morning. I was sitting there and I was like, I got to get a video of this thing because yeah, they are pretty badass. But that is all done. They've gone down the road here. Um, I don't know if they're getting ready to put the electric underground or if they're just trimming trees. But they also like brush hogged the whole uh, easement underneath the the power lines in every direction. So. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I know they're putting fiber in here. Uh, there is the lines are all marked. They're they've been working like crazy recently, getting fiber in the ground uh, all over this area, which is uh, which is cool. I mean, faster internet is never a bad thing. Um, probably not for us, but it is what it is. Um, what else is on the list here? Oh, yesterday, yesterday I had a cool uh, cool encounter. Uh, I went over to help Norman and Herschel with the roof some more. And they had a friend that had stopped that was also a nomad. And she was traveling by and decided to stop the night there. And I'd met her the day before, came by in the morning. She was still there. And um, Norman said, hey, you you mind taking a look with me? She's got a leak in the top of her her van. She uh, She's a van lifer, not RV. And um, she was getting a drip inside when it was raining. And so Norman and I jumped up there, well, jumped on ladders, looked at it, kind of came up with some possible scenarios. It wasn't an appropriate time to be taking everything apart and resealing things, but uh, gave her some ideas and then kind of walked through her van. I was interested in checking out her van and it was really cool. It um, It was set up really cool. She was new to it. She has only been on the road for a little while here. And so we were able to kind of give her some more in-depth knowledge on how her systems work, like her solar and um, and her battery monitor and things like that. So <clears throat> that was pretty cool. It's always nice to be able to spread information that you have acquired. Um, she happened to use the same battery monitor as we do. And so I was able to walk her through the app. She was just kind of like, she knew when she had power and when she didn't, but beyond that, the basic functionality of it, she wasn't really familiar with. No one taught her. No one taught her. It wasn't that she couldn't understand it. It was just she didn't. No one helped her. Um, so I helped her with that, and I was very happy to. And I thought the the meeting her, uh, having someone else that we could cross paths with, she was super cool, uh, super cool person in general. Uh, was more than enough. And then, um, man, she walks over and, and hands me some pickled beets and says, hey, here, here's some pickled beets from my, my friend's homestead and also a New Hampshire goldback. All shiny on the YouTube screen if you can't, uh, if you can see it. But um, yeah, there's no way I'll be able to get that on the screen. But posted a picture in the Telegram group. If you don't know what goldbacks are, they're actually... Um, they're actually gold in the in the um they're not dollar they're not bills uh in the currency i guess it is let me see if i can read it it is one one thousandth of a troy ounce of gold uh and the price fluctuates but you can spend them like dollars they are medium of exchange obviously it is like using a gold coin uh but a, a usable amount 
currently the one gold back is uh, about four bucks, I think, four fifty. So, um, man, the what it meant to me to receive these gifts from her uh, for what I did, it was more more than than the value of anything she could have paid me. It was just cool to uh, to interact with uh, with another nomad, help someone out that just had no idea um, even where to start to find this leak, and um, it uh, <laughs> it was really it was really uh, it was a really good experience. I was I was glad I met her and glad we could help her out. Hopefully. Hopefully she tracks down that leak because her van is super cool and I would hate to see it get damaged from any any water intrusion that could happen. So that was cool. Um, had heard of the Goldbacks. We had talked about uh, them with uh, Josh and uh, Tim and some other people and finally uh, finally got one in my possession and um, thinking thinking there might be some uh, some use for those in the future. Hunter says, Gavin said that it sounds like a video game side quest. Excuse me, sir. I have a leak. Thank you for your service. Here are some pickled beets. <laughs> I mean, I, anybody that's willing to pay me in food and gold, I, I'll, uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I didn't even need payment. I really didn't even need payment. I didn't, we didn't do that much, but the appreciation is, uh, is sometimes worth more than the value you give out. So that was fun. That was fun. Roof is uh, roof is coming along over there. That project is um, that's a big one, guys. It's a big one. I think I think they mentioned we've been working on that roof, or they've been working on that roof, and I've been helping intermittently for eight, 17 days, eighteen days, something like that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. So MSU Rifle says they are too expensive at this point. What are too expensive? Goldbacks. I mean the dollar goldback's four bucks. That's not that's not ridiculous by any means. Depending on what you want to do with them, I don't know. I don't know. I've had uh, I've had a couple of uh, interesting ideas. I had an idea way back when I first got exposed to them, and uh, now getting one the other day, I had a uh, a secondary idea. But we will see. We will see. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, talking about troubleshooting, talking about trying to find uh, issue, talking about explaining um, explaining systems and things to people. And as we move on into microgreens, some of the transitions we made with the microgreen projects uh, I'm about to talk about, if you need help troubleshooting things, if you uh, have a project on your homestead, a side hustle, or any other problem, I am uh, I am available to um, to do some troubleshooting, to do some brainstorming sessions. Uh, sometimes all it takes is another set of eyes on your problem or your issue or your idea just to flesh it out. Uh, man, I don't want your ideas. I don't need to steal your ideas. I got a a laundry list of things to pursue. Uh, I just want to see you succeed and help you get over any issues. So. If you want to find out if it's something I can help you with, 
And I'm not saying I can help you with everything, but uh, give me 30 minutes and we will see if we can uh, if we can work on the problem and even help you 30 minutes free. And then we will figure out a, uh, a a time to get together and figure out your problems. Let me see. MSU Rifle says they were giving them uh, out along with sales pitch at the Self-Reliance Expo in Knoxville last fall. Yeah, I mean, it gets a little it gets a little spendy giving them away. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you have a purpose behind it, four bucks is four bucks. It is, it is what it is. If it has the right purpose and the right outcome, I, I think that is a, uh, a fair price to pay depending on what, what that exchange is. So they did, they have gone up. I mean, they do. That's, that's the nature of the gold back is they fluctuate with the price of gold and, um, yeah. There is a nice, cool calculator. I, I dug into them a little bit after she gave it to him. There is a website you can go to, goldback.com. Uh, there's a calculator. Peer-to-peer transaction that, that involves goldbacks. Uh, you can put the, the, the USD, the fiat value that you want to get, um, and it'll tell you the exchange rate and how many goldbacks you need uh, and what their change would be. Uh, there is, uh, yeah, that calculator is pretty slick. And then you can get all sorts of, uh, you can find, you can find retailers that take them and you can find places to purchase them. So goldback.com, not an affiliate or a sponsor, just check them out because they're, <laughs> I think it's a really cool project. Uh, anyway, let's get on to microgreens, microgreens, uh, Corey and I took two attempts at microgreens. Uh, one was a failure. One was a complete failure, really. And the other one was a success to a point that, uh, and then it was shut down. So just wanted to kind of walk through what we did, why we did it, and uh, and how it kind of developed and our experiences through it. And uh, at the, yeah, if you have any questions throughout the, the episode, please put them in the comments. And uh, I will try to get back to them. But with that, our experience with microgreens, when we got up on the farm, when we got, um, when we got up on the farm, we, uh, we tried microgreens in two separate occasions. So the first, the first attempt was solely for growing for us, um, kind of tinkering around and seeing if we could, um, if we could make it happen, if we could, um, if we could grow them, if we liked them, we had read about them. This was, uh, this was really before the huge microgreen boom uh, and the the explosion of the the side hustles and all of that. We were really researching a lot into vegetables and growing and and clean eating and things like that. So microgreens were on our radar. Uh, we did a simple setup in the in the um, in the living room with uh, some shelves and some lights because we were growing um, growing we were growing starter plants and selling starter plants so we had all the lights we had the shelving systems we had all that set up 
And so we decided to give it a try. Uh, didn't do a whole lot of research into it. Didn't do a whole lot of testing or anything. We basically went for it. We got some 1020 trays and got some soil and some seeds and uh, went for it. We followed the directions we found on the internet. And it really got to a point that they were moldy. And I don't know if it was mold spores in our house, if it was mold spores in the um, in the soil, if it was lack of airflow, if it was too much water. I mean, there's a million different uh, factors that go into growing things outside, inside. It doesn't really matter. But we found that they molded. And so instead of trying to figure it out, it wasn't at that point um, important enough for us to keep going to try to figure it out. I think we got maybe a half a batch out that we were actually able to, to harvest and everything else was just getting to be mold. Went back and forth, whether if it was uh, the hair roots, the, the hair, the hair roots on microgreens will grow out and start to look like um, look like mold and then dissipate as they get larger. So we didn't know what it was. We didn't know the cause of the the cause of the problem, and we just kind of shut it down. It, we were like, "This isn't really working for us. This isn't uh, this isn't our deal." And so soil was out, and we put it behind us. We kept going on the farm. Didn't really think about trying them anymore. And then along. Uh, Rachel Brown said, should have hit up John Dowie about your mold problem. Yeah, this was a long time ago, Rachel. <laughs> long time ago. Uh, I don't think I was in the same circles of Don John Dowie at that time. Uh, but we didn't think much of it and moved on. We did all our, our, our stuff on the farm. We were raising all the animals. We were doing outside garden and everything. And then uh, Jack over at the survival podcast put together his uh, he put together his vertical indoor garden hydroponic garden and i listened to him as he developed this i watched his youtube series as he was putting it together and making adjustments to it and i thought it was fantastic um before the final iteration i was sold um i i bought everything, scrounged everything that we had, bought everything, put it together. Now, this was the vertical garden. If you've never seen it, basically it had, was on a four by two shelving unit in the kitchen, uh, in our kitchen. It could go anywhere in the in the house. On the bottom shelf, it had a sump that held water and nutrient mix. Next to that sump, there was a starter, uh, a starter uh, tub where you started your next round of plants. And then there were big growing trays on the first shelf. Uh, it was four by two by eight inches deep. And then another one was four by two by eight inches deep where we were growing uh, larger, not larger vegetables, but larger plants, uh, lots of leafy greens. It was basically a hydroponic system to provide yourself leafy greens in the kitchen uh, for salad for one, two, three, four. We could have probably fed five or six people out of what we produced out of that thing. Um, but regardless, the top shelf in this system was a shallow tray. It was, uh, four inches deep, I think maybe less. And 
So what would happen is the water would flow up. The water would flow up to the top and then it would filter down and it would it would um, flood and drain the whole system. And what you grew in the top was microgreens and you grew them on jute mats because it was in a hydro system. You didn't want the soil in there. The soil would have um, would have floated away. I don't know. Maybe Jack used soil in his. Anyway, I, I researched microgreens and hydroponics and, and we ended up starting with jute mats. I can't remember which way he went uh, and if he changed or not. But that's the way we went with those on the top. Uh, and we started growing them there. And they were for us. They, they, this whole production system inside was for us and the chickens. Basically, if if we couldn't eat it, it was going to the chickens. Um, and so we were very successful with it. It worked very well. It um, it took off. We were growing them. We were eating as much as we can. And then we always had leftovers. We were trying different varieties. It held. The, the tray at the top held four 10, 10, 10, 20 trays. So you got to picture a 10, 20 tray um, and how many seeds, if they were just spread on like frosting and they grew up, how thick that would be and how much greens it is because they're nutrient packed. They're very dense. Uh, they're the new, the new plant. It's the stuff from the seed that you're getting uh, before the plant develops. The nutrients, like I said, super dense and thick and fresh. And man, they, they taste delicious. The flavor is through the roof. But we were eating these and we realized that we had a bunch left over. And so we started packaging them up and Corey would take them to her mom or her coworkers. And then people are like, these are really good. You should sell them. And we said, yeah, we thought about that at one point and it didn't really work but we were growing them in soil. We kept growing them in the, in the microgreen system. We kept enjoying them. Uh, Corey and I ended up where you were eating. The microgreens were like the base of, base of the salad. Sorry, guys, I got a sneeze coming if I, uh, if I disappear for a second. Uh, but uh, it was very successful in the top of the system. And so we did that for a few months and messed around with a few different seeds up there. And we were really enjoying it. Really, really, really enjoying the microgreens. And the people that we were giving them to were really enjoying them. And being someone that tries to give people what they want and uh, tries to get money for, from them for it, uh, we decided, or I decided, I guess, to build mocks of the same system. But I didn't need all the I didn't need all the the leafy greens in the new systems. So I had to re-engineer it a little bit. I had to do a little adjustment, but basically um, the basically I made four levels, four levels, four levels, four levels of microgreen trays in the same system made two systems so when we fired it up we had 16 we had 32 16 per system 32 total 10 20 trays of microgreens now we also picked up uh 10 10 trays so those were half so in reality 
we could have started uh, 64 different types of microgreens at one time. Uh, we didn't. We did lots of, of 10, 20 trays and multiples as we found out what people liked and, and different, um, different mixes and things we were growing. Some of the some of the, the the seeds we decided to grow, and we got all of them from True Green or True Green True Leaf, TrueLeaf.com, I believe is TrueLeaf.com. Uh, <coughs> Bulk seeds, uh, they they grew great, but we tried broccoli, cabbage, kohlrabi, peas, uh, pea shoots, mustard, all sorts of different mustards. Uh, they had some spicy and regular salad mixes. We tried radish, arugula, amaranth. We did chia, chia seeds um, and and all of that. All of that. Rewilder Life says, uh, which do you think is less temperamental as, as far as soil or, or hydroponics? I think the hydroponics worked well. Um, I don't know what our failure was at the beginning of, of the soil growing um so i can't really tell you if we solve that problem whether it would have worked or not we just kind of went away from it because it wasn't that important at the time um so what the system did was we basically grew them on jute mats and if you don't know what jute mats is it's like a basically it's like rope <laughs> as, as the material is kind of what i what I equated to like an old, uh, the old brown twisted up rope that you, you can come across and that material, if it was woven into a mat instead of a rope, basically what it felt like, uh, they were, um, biodegradable, they were compostable, they were recyclable. Um, and they said they were reusable. We never reused them when i from my experience when i pulled them out harvested the greens off the top of the microgreens the mats were so thick with roots and so intertwined uh i didn't know how to get rid of them we would take the jute mats down give them to the chickens the chickens would peck all the peck all the roots out that they could and then it was just like a mess of roots in or a mess of mats in our chicken coop and then they ended up going out to the compost pile but the growing medium was very nice. It was um, it was very consistent uh, as long as the seeds were there and as long as the system was level and it got the same amount of water uh, for the same amount of time. Flood and drain, flood and drain hydroponics. If you don't know how that works, is basically there is a big bucket of water, a big tank of water on the bottom of the system. Uh, the pump comes on and fills up the trays fills up the 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 holding trays and the the microgreen trays sit inside it so the water comes up into them uh we would we would set ours water height um so if you look at a 10 20 tray or a 10 10 tray there's like ribs in the bottom there's like little channels the jute mat would sit on top of that it was probably a quarter inch thick uh basically what our goal was in the in the hydroponic system was to to raise the level of the water to the jute mat not to flood the seeds out not to let the jute mat get dry so the timing was basically 
turn it on, flood it up into the into the the jute mat level, and you could adjust that by uh, by a, a few adjustments in the tank in the in the pan itself. You would get it up to that level, and it would run for a, a predetermined amount of time. It would soak the mats, and then the pump would turn off, and all the water would drain out. The jute mats would retain the moisture to grow the to grow the microgreens. And as they dried out, as they wicked away, and depending on uh, the humidity, the time of year, what was going on, it would get it would get it would change the amount of time in between in between flood stages. But then the pump would turn back on. It would rehydrate the mats. It would turn off, and it would drain back into the sump. Uh, technically, you didn't need nutrients in the hydroponics to grow the microgreens. I calculated out um how much how much nutrient we had um that we had already purchased for the for the um the hydro or the vertical garden in the kitchen and decided to do some experimentation with adding some nutrient mix to the water uh and man the the growth rate was unbelievable it far outweighed the cost of the nutrient going into the tank uh, when we would change our water. So um, we did that. We started messing around with that and we needed a place to sell them. Um, I guess I forgot the whole the whole other two days of uh, of, of work in this whole process. Uh, one of the things you had to do to get the to get them sprouted uh, when you do soil, you seed them and then you take another another tray and put them over top of them and and dark them out for oh I think it was uh, four or five days, three or four days till they sprout. Uh, the timing is all off. I We've kind of moved on from this whole process since we went into the camper because we don't have room or power or anything <laughs> to do that here. It's been quite a while. And um, so basically, we would do the same thing with the jute mats. We would soak the mats. We would fill the trays to the top of the jute mat. We would put the seeds in. We would put a dome on it, basically another 10-10 tray flipped over on top of it. And we would let them sit on a shelf uh, for the predetermined amount of days. Um, and then we would have another day where we would cycle them into the system as we brought the others out to harvest them. We would harvest them all um, and package them into clamshells. Now, you got to think, you have to picture how much microgreens is on this system. It was a lot to manage. It was a lot to manage the calendar. It was a lot to manage because they all grew at different rates. We we tried to stick with batches of the things that grew the same rate, um, but we were always doing experiments with different types. Usually, we would experiment in the in our hydroponic, our, our vertical garden, uh, but sometimes we wanted to do some other things and moved it into the production systems for experimentation, but. Basically, the cycle was seed. Uh, a few days later, they went into the system. As the finished product came out, we set up tables in our in our living room. This all ran in our living room. We had this huge hydroponic system running in our living room. Um, harvest them, package them in clamshells, and then put them in our refrigerator. Our refrigerator was pretty much full of microgreens for and the whole the whole time we were selling them. Uh, our outlet for them 
was farmers markets to begin with that really wasn't ever the end goal for me um i'm not a huge fan of the farmers market as a vendor uh i would rather have um have more consistent clients uh that i am in direct relationship with i didn't want to go sit at the farmers market wait for people to show up try to sell to them and then uh, bring it all home i wanted to just go deliver a product to people but no one knew we were selling them. And as I've talked before in the show, we were really 90 miles or 90 miles from the Twin Cities, but we were an hour from any really substantial population center where this would be, it would be effective to go sell on market. Um, <laughs> Hunter says lots of purple glow, very romantic. Uh, dude, I don't know how the cops didn't show up at our house at some point. Our living room was purple for, I mean, like two years straight. And you could see the corner of the house that we had all our grow lights in from the, the county road. It was quite a ways away, but you could see our house. It was, it was you know, a couple hundred yards maybe. And uh, it just glue purple for, for a couple years straight. And man, I can't believe they didn't come and go. Oh, you're growing some, uh, you're growing some weed or something in there. I maybe we were just so brazen and didn't care because we weren't doing anything wrong uh, that they just were like, "There's no way anybody would just blatantly do that." <laughs> so, yes, uh, we were definitely, we definitely had the purple glow in our house for for years on end at different stages in the homestead. But we decided to try to sell them at farmer's markets. Uh, we ended up doing three farmer's markets. Uh, Corey did. I did one on Thursday Thursday mornings. Uh, Corey did one on Friday mornings. And then we did one together on um, glue. Yeah. Glue. G-L-U-E. <laughs> um, uh, and then we did one together on Saturday morning the sales were okay it was amazing to me how hard it was to get people to try vegetables we fought and fought and fought and fought the the market managers um at two of them the third one didn't give a shit uh to give away samples this was in the 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 kind of the beginnings of covid uh, the beginnings of the restrictions, and then uh, full-blown into them. There was all sorts of stuff about giving away food. There was all sorts of stuff about sanitation, and it was it was a mess. Basically, we were taking little uh, ramekin, plastic ramekin cups, and filling them with microgreens with lids on them and handing them to people and saying, hey, if you'd like this, maybe try eating it, and we have more over here. It was so hard to get people to try them. The people that we got to try them absolutely loved them. Loved some things more than others. Some like spicy, some like the the broccoli. Uh, broccoli was probably our, our favorite personally. And then um, sales-wise too, people really liked broccoli. But it was so hard to get people to try it. Uh, kids love trying it. <laughs> Actually, you would think kids would turn their nose up at vegetables more than adults, but it was totally the opposite. Kids were way more willing to try the stuff and they really liked it. 
Uh, I think we had some kids, um, kids had some kids uh, actually convince their parents to buy some. Hunter says bean sprouts have always been a thing, though. They're not sprouts. You have to wait for the, the true leaves to come. There's different stages between sprouts and microgreens. Um, they're different growth stages of the same plant. Uh, so we set up, we sold uh, for a whole season, a part of a season at one at uh, Malacca, and then uh, moved into a couple other markets and sold a full season there. It was it was okay. It wasn't the goal wasn't to do forever. The goal was to find our long term customers at the farmers market. Uh, one of my targets was chefs and restaurants. I, I thought that that was a um, kind of the the no brainer. Set it and forget it. Once you acquired the customer in my area, at least there was no competition. There was nobody, there was nobody selling microgreens around where we were. So, um, Jim says sproutings in water and microgreens are in soil. I beg to differ because I grew microgreens in, in water for, um, a significant amount of time. It has nothing to do with it. It's the stage of the, the, the plant growth. Um, and so what we, what my MO was, was two of the farmer's markets we went to, chefs frequented them looking for ingredients. So I tried to to smooth them, talk with them, interact with them, uh, tried to spread the word about the product. We did have some pick some up. I was also marketing to chefs uh, on the side. Uh, I had a, a pretty decent network already built up from all my time in hospitality. And we, um, we went and had some meetings. We had some meetings with some chefs. I had a different proposal for them than, than bringing them, um, bringing them, um, clamshelled micro live, alive, plants that were alive, non-harvest, bring them the tray with the jute mat in it, with the microgreens growing that they could then keep in their walk-in, bring out on the line and use, use fresh cut from the 1020 tray as they use them. And as they um, finish the tray, they could roll that jute mat up or just pile them up. I would come back with the next week's order, pick them up, compost the jute mat and then bring them their live order it wasn't a very hard sell once i was able to get that introduction once i was able to get that meeting i worked very very hard over that year at the farmers markets trying to get that meeting i finally landed one with a huge resort and and a very a pretty well known prominent chef in minnesota executive chef of, uh, of a resort with several restaurants in it, uh, up on the lakes in, uh, in the, in the up North region of Minnesota, the Brainerd lakes area was huge destination for, uh, vacationers and, um, city people trying to get out of the cities. 
I had a meeting with him. Um, we we went. I took some product for him. They tried it. He had his all his sous chefs try it. They were very impressed. Uh, I told them what we were planning on doing. That we were planning on selling the live trays and and doing exchange system and things like that. And he was all in, man. He was excited. He loved the product. He said, um, "Follow up with me." Uh, they had. They were having their weekly meeting. They invited me to their weekly, uh, their chef meeting. <coughs> so it was, it was basically um, a done deal at that point. All I had to do was we had to pound out the logistics on what, how much they needed, delivery days um, and all that stuff. And so I was excited. Corey and I drove home. I was pumped. I was going to go try to find another chef. I, uh, I had a couple that I was working in the pipeline. I had some referrals possibly from this gentleman. And we were still doing the farmer's markets. A couple days after we got home, I was working on the the, um, the logistics for, for this restaurant. And the governor of Minnesota shut down every restaurant in Minnesota. Why would he do that? COVID. COVID. Great time to start a food business. <laughs> uh, Rachel said, mentioned something about asking John Dowie uh, about the mold problem. Ask John Dowie how it went with COVID and uh, and restaurants. Because <laughs> for a business that, that hadn't even gotten off the ground yet, hadn't flapped its wings yet, had barely uh, scratched the surface at farmer's markets with, um, with personal uh, non-commercial customers, was just about to land their first commercial, um, last commercial, um, or their first commercial account. Man, it was rough. I was, I was dejected. I went inside, um, <laughs> MSU Rifle says time to sell barrels. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so it was a matter of, you know, I had, I had eight, I had eight sets of lights running. I had two pumps running. Um, we weren't making money at the farmer's markets. We were, we were upside down at the farmer's markets just because of market fees, travel time, um, all the, the product costs, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the end goal. We were hoping to transition away from that. I had a, a delivery uh, system set up um, that I was going to do like a subscription CSA type delivery uh, of microgreens. They weren't regulated in Minnesota. I could deliver them wherever I wanted. I could grow them, harvest them, deliver them. Uh, and there was just no interest. It was, it was to the point where I realized that no one would even try it at the farmer's market. So to blind sell those over the internet, on Craigslist, on, on um, Facebook, you'd get interested people uh, that had had them, that knew what they were, that had uh, experienced them. And the, it just never, it never formulated. If you know our story at the time that COVID came around, we were very much um, exploring the idea of leaving. And with this shutdown, with us realizing the the climate we were in in Minnesota, the both the temperature, political, social, uh, everything, um, this was part of the, the part of the the impetus to leave. 
Like this, this happening was like, yeah, this is, these are signs that it needs to be done. Uh, we shut it down, uh, ended up, uh, ended up selling and, uh, and, and disassembling the stuff. Uh, we ran the the vertical garden in the kitchen for a while longer and then ended up setting it, selling, setting, shutting that down and getting rid of that. Uh, but man, it, it was an interesting experience. I think if they hadn't shut the restaurants down, it could have possibly become our cash crop on the, on the farm. I, as, as excited as the chef was when he tried them, as knowledgeable as a lot of the chefs that I was pursuing were in having understood what the, what the ingredient was, how, how hot, uh, hot the style was, how much flavor it brought to the table. And now I was bringing them a product that was live on the counter, live on the line. Basically, they bring it out and set it there in next to their garnish trays whatever they wanted to do snip snip with scissors it goes on the salad it goes on the dish uh they thought that was fantastic they loved the the um environmental friendly using reusing the 1020 trays composting the jute mats and just getting awesome product i was super excited thanks tim walls <laughs> thanks covid it was fantastic um is it a viable option for someone else probably Probably. Is it a viable option for me at this point? Probably not ever again. Uh, I don't know if I ever want to have the the electricity consumption that it took to run the pumps and the lights. And not that it was a ton. Um, it's just a different way of living now since we've been in the been in the trailer and and really conserved energy. So I don't know. That's kind of our experience. Hunter was wondering how many harvests out of one seeding we'd get one harvest one grow cycle and it was uh, normally like 14 days 10 to 14 days maybe 10 yeah yeah depending on like different different seeds obviously grew at different rates um the short cycle ones were around around 10 days and that's where i was at that three days uh basically the cycle was we would pre-seed them in the mats uh on day one on day three we were harvesting the previous week that we had moved in seven days earlier. So it was this weird 10, seven day cycle. So they went three days without water or three days without light. And then they went into the system for another seven days with light was our steady crops. And then we had specialty ones that grew longer. Some were up to even like 20, 24 days. Uh, but it was 10 days, 10 days for the short ones till harvest. You harvested the tops and uh the stems as far down as you wanted and then the seeds the roots everything then went to the chickens or the compost so one one harvest per one harvest per and you could buy um you could buy bulk seeds uh we we would we were buying like one pound and five pound bags of seeds so <clears throat> there were plenty of um plenty of resources out there for seeding density basically you would um you would put it into a calculator the the plant type the size if you were using 10 10 trays 10 20 trays or uh your own size you could put a square square inches and then it would give you a weight of seeds so on seeding night Corey and i were there with the kitchen scale and the bag of seeds and a little uh, cup 
and we were weighing out seeds and then spreading them out evenly in the jute mats. So that was my experience with it. I, I thought it was a really uh, a solid system. I think the circumstances really screwed us. Um, I think the time to travel, the distance we had to travel, the the overhead just to get the product to market was too much for us. Um, and if I had had more time, had not been working as much as I was, we would have been able to probably um, get it up and going faster. But you can't be out selling when you're at the day job. You can't be out touring to restaurants. We had one day a week or two days a week to, to get that done. And it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. So um, somebody else wants to try it. I would be, I would love to see somebody successful with it and, uh, and go with that. I think the live train model of the, the jute mats with the jute mats and the hydroponics is, uh, is great. At that point, the chefs don't have to worry about keeping soil moist. Basically you tell them, keep water up into the bottom of the mat. Keep them in the, keep them in the, keep the, the troughs, the in-betweens in the 1020 trays, keep a little water in that and you should be fine. If they were keeping them in a walk-in cooler and they were using them within a couple days, when we set the water level, when we came, it should have been fine. It should have been fine for that whole time. So, um, yeah, we had some cool things on the docket for them. We were doing some split trays. Uh, I was talking to some people that were 3D printing, uh, doing some 3D printing. I was I was getting ready to do some designs to where uh, had some 3D printed dividers that would slide into the 1010 tray or the 1020 tray uh, with different designs, uh, whether that be four corners or an X, or um, I think at, at some point I was even interested in growing, um, you could do uh, almost a logo for a restaurant in their microgreens uh, using different types of seeds because like the amaranth would come up red uh, and the reddish purple. The the broccoli was super bright green, and then some other some other greens were darker green. You could really play around with a lot of visual, visually cool stuff by how you seeded in in the 1020 tray. So as I looked at it when we were seeding one night, I was like, if I had uh, almost like a cookie cutter um, that I could slide in here and seed and get the seeds in the specific place, and they all grow straight up. Um, it would be cool. It would be really cool. So we started messing around with that. We started doing it with uh, just some cardboard, but the the end goal was to 3D print out some really cool patterns and things to bring these live trays to the customer. Now, if you weren't bringing live trays to a customer, it wouldn't matter because you were harvesting them. No one would ever see that. Now, maybe your social media uh, or display that you brought with you. But the fact that I was going to that live tray model really made that an option. So that was exciting thing that I never really got to, uh, to get to and, uh, experience. So man, other than that, that was, uh, that was our experience with microgreens in a nutshell. We, we love them, man, eating a full salad of microgreens. Talk about a flavorful salad. Um, when you fill up a huge salad bowl with, um, fresh cut microgreens, instead of adding just uh, a, a sampling on top of your lettuce and uh, whatever else is in your salad, it uh, it changes your world. It changes your perspective on eating salad and eating greens for sure. 
the flavor is just out of this world. So I suggest anybody give it a try, whether you do it on a, on a tabletop, you could do, you can do the jute mat style without a hydroponic system. Uh, basically you just water it. You just water it like the flood and drain would have been. Uh, the jute does retain water. It would be kind of a pain in the ass. I think it would dry out a lot quicker than um, a lot quicker on um, without the the flood and drain. You would have to be kind of babysitting it, and it would dry out faster than soil. Excuse me. Hunter says maybe an episode on getting customers. Yeah. Do you have one I could listen to, please? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess I, 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 I guess I, I came up with a bunch of customers for a bunch of different, uh, a bunch of different products. Just never had that home run or the time to, to time to make it work. So, anyway, guys, I gotta roll out of here. It's been an hour, and uh, I gotta get these dog walks and get uh, get a shit ton of t stuff done today. Uh, like I said, tom tomorrow is life hack episode. If you have a life hack you want to share. Hit me in the Telegram group. Email me, social medias. I'll uh, I'll have some posts you can reply to. Uh, share it, even if you don't have a life hack, but you uh, you have some network that somebody might have one. Definitely, uh, definitely share those social media posts. I appreciate every time anyone shares, comments, or likes anything on socials. I appreciate you all all the time. Uh, and then Friday, that two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar give thousand dollar. Holy shit, Corey, we're giving away $225,000. <laughs> Corey wants to win that. She doesn't give a shit if she's family or not. 225000 Satoshi giveaway on Friday, guys. We're going to be talking about how to onboard people, how to orange fill people over the holidays as you're going to holiday gatherings and simple strategies to expose people to Bitcoin or maybe just get them started by brute force. You'll have to find out on Friday. Anyway, if you'd like to participate in the live comments, you can always join the live recording Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find all the links to all my social media services I offer, recommended products, and companies I am affiliated with at thelotsproject.com. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Guys, it's hump day. It is hump day. Let's get over the hump. Let's make it on to Thursday. Let's talk about some life hacks and Friday. Let's give away some Bitcoin. Hey guys, make it a great day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.